Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. Glad to be here today with John Dini from Exit Map and from San Antonio, Texas. John, thanks for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. We've worked together for a very long time, and so we've had lots of conversations about your business clients and about the work that you do across the country, also working with other advisors and collaboration tools and all different kinds of things. But the thing that I think is kind of most interesting about the work that you do is that you're always working with business clients from the perspective of being a coach right. and your coaching is is kind of a lifetime of practice and refinement and polishing of your technique. And I think there's a lot of people who would like to say to business clients that they act as a coach or they're they're going to sort of sort of play the role of the coach in the process. And I think a lot of people are talking about that without really having a great way to explain it. So if I say to them, what does that mean to you when you say that you're a coach? They might not be able to answer the question, but I think that you can. And so when, when let's say I'm a business owner and I've just met you and I've been told by somebody else that you're an exit planner and you're a coach. And then I say to you, John, you know, what does that mean that you're a coach? Are you going to make me run sprints? Are you going to make me, you know, do all my own homework and you're just going to check it? What is what does being a coach mean to you even? That's a good question. Um, And I almost never present, although my card says I'm an exit planning coach, I never present myself to a business owner as you need coaching. You know, there's usually an objective. You know, they always have an objective. Now, over the past 25 years, I've you know, engaged just over 500 business owners. I only work with business owners uh, in advisory services, but we always start from the coaching perspective. And we start with a 90 day process with every single client, regardless of the size of the company. And it's really a coaching process. And I see coaching as the development of a strategy. And, And we distinctly separate that from plan creation. We're gonna get to the plan, but I think the time we spend coaching up front pays real dividends. Uh, and coaching, you know, when people ask what coaching is about, it's about asking questions. The, we're advisors. Everybody in BEI is some, some form of advisor. And most of us believe that clients hire us to give advice. And I think a lot of us start giving advice way too soon. We could be asking a lot more questions and getting a lot deeper into the client's objectives. The way I, I use an analogy of World War II, you know, the Allies didn't start out saying, "Hey, let's invade Europe." You know, they wanted to get rid of Hitler. That was the objective. Invasion of Europe was the strategy. D-Day, probably the biggest mass movement of military in history, was the planning stage. Putting soldiers in boats and going across the English Channel was implementation. So we really separate that out. And the strategy has to come from the client. We really see the client as the quarterback. The quarterback leads the team on the field. The coach is on the sideline, helping the quarterback make decisions, telling him what he's analyzed, telling him what he sees. But it really centers around the owner. 
Do you think that owners know that they need a coach, even if they maybe don't put that word to it? So they may also not think of themselves as, you know, I really need a coach right now. But do you find that that a lot of business owners, most business owners, or only a few business owners, maybe when you first start talking to them, sort of have a sense that they need something from somebody else. Do they have that or not? Are they too arrogant? Are they desperate for help and no one's offered? Where are they? I think the concept of coaching in business, while it's become a lot more accepted in the last couple of decades, um, you know, it can it's it's easily explainable. Um, one of my longtime clients said, you know, when I first met you, I wasn't thinking in terms of coaching. But then I thought my daughter was really good at softball and she wanted to get a college scholarship. So we went and got her a coach. You know, he said, that's what we do. He said, when we want to improve our kids' performance, we go out and get them a coach. And, you know, who his words were, who told me I was so great at my business <laughs> that I didn't need any coaching. And what is your sort of starting, you know, if you don't know that much about a business owner, but you've been, let's say you've been referred in, you're, you've, you know that they've told someone else that they need help and, and the someone else has said, you should probably talk to John Deeney because he's got, he's got the help that you're looking for. Then are you coming at business owners from a, you know, from a very high level, let me understand your business. Are you coming at them from a, let me understand, you know, sort of emotionally where you're, where you're at and what's driving you. Since so many people make a lot of decisions based on emotion, are you coming at it from a, you know, what is your background taught you about, you know, what has the past told you about where are you going in the future? What's your kind of, you know, your, what's your angle when you're trying to learn about somebody? I think more of a learning about the person than the business. And again, okay. with the number of businesses I've worked with, I can usually say something, that, I don't want to say smart, but just something based on my experience that is specific to that industry. You know, what kind of transportation do you use? Uh, do you sell on account or are you collecting right away? Something that I know is very specific to that type of industry. And they go, ah, this is a business person that understands what I do. But the why is much more important. And certainly when we're entering into exit planning, why you want the outcome you want is far more important than how or what. Uh, you know, is, is it legacy or is it lifestyle? What's important to you? There's a statistic in the business that floats around that says 70 plus percent of business owners are unhappy with the result a year down the road. And I heard an advisor yesterday say, that's because most of them didn't get as much money as they needed. I don't believe that for a second. I think they're dissatisfied because they didn't know what they were going to do when they weren't the business owner anymore. Mm -hmm. All of us that are business owners are business owners in all phases of our life. If you're Bob, the owner of Bob's Widgets, you're Bob, the owner at the Chamber of Commerce, you're Bob, the owner at church, you're Bob, the, the owner when you go to family gatherings, you know, your ears attuned to your name. Of course, we all are in a crowd and you hear it when you walk past the table at the wedding. There goes Bob. He owns his own business, you know. Uh, and when they remove that cape, when they take over, take off the business ownership persona, uh, for many of them, it's very, very difficult to adjust to life as something other than a business owner. Right. And so... We're proud of the fact that I don't think we've ever had a client 
that wasn't happy with the outcome because that's what we're paying attention to. How we get there, if it's an internal transfer, an external transfer, if there's going to be financing, if there's going to be new partners or key employees, that's plan creation. Really nailing down what they want to be after they're not the business owner anymore, we feel is the most important part of the engagement. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it occurs to me that, you know, maybe there's a lot of people out there who might ask a question and try to get it you know, sort of fill in a blank on this one answer. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do after you're no longer active in your business? But I'm guessing that for you, because it's because of your coaching background and your expertise in this area, that for you, it's really more than just asking a question and filling in sort of a little blank. I want to, you know, help young people. I want to help other businesses. I want to travel. I want to be with my grandkids or anything like that. So you're really probably going through a, something more than just a question and Ab an answer. What, is that look, what does that feel like for a business owner? I, f I frequently do your work week. Uh, when they start talking about life after the business, I say, okay, you know, we do assessments with people. And I say, okay, you put down that you work an average of 55 hours a week. What are you going to do? I'm going to play a lot of golf. Okay, what, what would a lot of golf be? Three times a week. Okay, that's about 15 hours. We've got 40 hours left. What are right. we going to fill that with? I'm going to take a lot of vacation. Two weeks every quarter? Yeah, that'd be great. Eight weeks a year would be a lot of vacation. Okay, we've just filled another 10 hours a week on average. Mm -hmm. You've got 30 more to go. That's about where they stop because they really have no idea how they're going to fill the time. And I think that's where so much of the dissatisfaction comes from. And we really work through, we work through their charitable and community interests. We work through their family interests. We work through their, their asset purchases if they want a boat or a plane or something. Uh, but we really try and fill up that week and, you know, tell them, you know, make them understand that, you know, uh, what is it, uh, the, the famous spousal saying, you know, I married you for life, but not for lunch every day. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And business owners need to look forward. That's I, I don't mean we need to make them look forward. They naturally look forward. Right. That's what entrepreneurs do. I can ask any business owner, and I do all the time, what was the best thing you did in your business three years ago? And they stare at me blankly like, who cares? And why would I want to know that? I say, what do you plan on doing in your business in the next year? And they can rattle off a whole list of things they want to accomplish. And they have to be looking at life after the business that way too, or else you're going to have a lot of problems moving forward. Mm-hmm. Do you, does your coaching sort of trickle down into, you know, helping business owners think about how they interact with their co-owners or with their top level of employees or management team or even all of their employees? What do they need? What do they need the most help with in those kinds of, I don't know what you call it, business relationships or their business family? It seems like there's always a lot to do depending on which, which business owner you're talking with. And so does your coaching go as far as helping them with those things that are never one more step beyond them? No, I'm not a, I'm not a behavioral coach. Uh, certainly am not in a position to criticize their diet and exercise routine. <laughs> uh, you know, their lifestyle is their lifestyle. Although I don't think it's surprising that in, in the entrepreneurial class, if we want to call it that we find typically find lots of long-term relate lifetime relationships. 
Um, certainly, uh, it's unusual to find a successful entrepreneur that's also been, uh, you know, through serial marriages, relationships, or things like that. They tend they tend to lock into what they want and know what they want, be confident in themselves. But we don't confront them. We do business coaching, but we don't confront them. For instance, you know, I see a lot of advisors, and uh, you know, this will shock people, but I've run into owners that have an inflated impression of the value of their company. Really? It, it happens. And, uh, you know, some advisors will confront them right away and say, oh, that's not how much your company's worth. You know, a lot of advisors fob it off onto a third person. Well, why don't we get a valuation guy to come in here and tell you that's not what your company's right. worth? Okay. You know, what we do is we sit down with them with a spreadsheet and say, okay, well, here's your cash flow. We've worked through this together. And here's what you think the value is. We have this spreadsheet set up with the SBA criteria for, for a lender. Uh, why don't we work through how you would sell this company? Are you going to take a note back? What interest rate do you think would have? What do you think the terms would be? And they very quickly find out if they're overvaluing the company because they can't make the financing work. Mm. You know, and then it becomes their conclusion. And then they go, well, what if you know, I only wanted this much? You know, and they'll play with it until they come to the number that can realistically attract a lender. But it's their decision. It's their discovery process. It's not us telling them. So really, I think that's the key to coaching is helping them find the answer rather than telling them the answer. You know, the old adage that we all hear, you know, heard it a million times. You know, you have one mouth, two ears. Use them in that ratio. Agreed. Agreed. So then you're working with these clients on these kinds of issues that you're talking about. And is your coaching more likely to be sort of an iterative process where you return to a topic multiple times? Do you find that business owners will answer or work through something, leave and think about it and come back and maybe have a slightly different take on it the next time? Or do you like to sort of push all of the thinking through kind of all at once? Does it depend on the client? How you get, you know, how much of your coaching is giving them essentially food for thought and then coming back to it versus let's do this now and let's not lose momentum in this conversation? How does that work? In almost all of our engagements, and I would say 90% would be a fair number, we do it sequentially. I mean, first we gather data. And then we go through the financials. We look at their cash flow. We look at we look at their income. We will do, take a quick look. I'm not a financial planner, and I, I very much encourage them if they haven't gone to a, to a professional investment advisor, they should. Uh, but we will take a quick look at their assumptions about what they need to retire, and do some simple four percent calculations and say whether that we think that's on or off. Then we do the valuation of the company again with them discovering what their company is likely to sell for or transfer for. You know, we do almost two thirds of our work in internal transfers, family and employee transfers. Okay. Uh, but, and then we move into operations. Okay, if you were not here, if we have an owner centricity quiz, uh, that's at ownercentricity.com, anybody's free to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of scores how many things your company is dependent on you for. And then we'll move into management succession. If you weren't doing this, who would do it? And that's our, that's our process. In 90 days, we will come out with an outline of a plan uh, before we 
before we dive into an epic roadmap or anything that's that's you know going to detail how we're going to do things we do maybe two pages sometimes three mm-hmm. and inevitably they don't like all of it you know inevitably there's something in there that they're going to say oh i didn't think it was going to be like that or i didn't realize when i said that that it meant i would have to do this oh. uh, so we give them that outline uh Fairly detailed, but like I said, in three pages, you can cover an awful lot. Sure. And uh, that reopens some of the conversation. Mm. Oh, well, if I changed my time frame, or if I changed the cash flow in the company, or if I took less out, or if I took more out, or if, I, you know, it gets them to go back to the things that we may think we decided, as you said, when we, when we agreed to them, but when they see them all written up together, they're like, oh, not all of that is what I thought it was going to be. So I yeah. think that outline is a tremendous tool uh, to give to people before you really dive into the details of what the plan's going to look like. I think that's great. I think that's similar to something that I've said about a BEI tool, which is that what the thing that you're, this outline that you're giving them is really a mirror. Mm-hmm. And so when they look in the mirror, is that what they thought they were going to see? And maybe they, I think a lot of people do have sort of, this is the answer I've always given because I just, this is what I always say when people ask me that question. And when pressed, there are a lot of us who can't really tell you why we answer that way or what's behind it or whether that's even our real feeling. So that mirror that you're giving them is saying, is this what you really, is, is, this, it, is this what you really think? This is what I heard you say. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is what I heard. Is yes. this what you thought you said? Mm-hmm. You know. And and now that you've seen yourself say it, do you still feel like that's the right answer? I think that's a really that's a really good approach. And the thing I like about that is that you're doing it kind of earlier on. So you're not going so far down the path right. that we feel like we're having to back up. You're inserting yeah. this mirror or this what we're, I heard you all, say. We're all humans. If we mm-hmm. put a lot of work into a detailed plan then inevitably, no matter what you say, internally, you're a bit aggravated that, right. you know, don't you realize how much work I put into this plan? Right, <laughs> I'm know? committed here, so <laughs> right. let's do this. So you need to be committed too. <laughs> you know? So, right. yeah, I, I, I think the outline thing makes the the uh, risk factor for me as an advisor f- much lower. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't like the outline, fine, we can change the outline very easily until we come up with something you like. Right. Okay, so let's say there's a brand new advisor. This person has, you've met this person. They have a lot of technical ability, so they're highly trained in some aspect of business services. Could be anything. And so they have a lot of, you know, what in the old days, you know, we used to call book smarts. Mm -hmm. So they got their book smarts and they have maybe some connections. Maybe they have access to business owners through somebody that they know or some group that they're in but they don't have this kind of coaching mentality or coaching style about them. They have their toolbox, they're really good at it, and they have access to business owners. So, so you know, like what's your best or your first or your, or your if you can only remember one thing uh, about trying to act as a coaching role, then, then what's your advice to that person gonna be? Ask questions. What I said earlier is when you're Asking questions, inevitably you're coaching. Mm. When you are giving advice, you're consulting. And okay, it's so simple. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. You know, um, it's you know, ideally for me at the end of a project, 
you know, my favorite finish to when we've reviewed the plan, everything's been accepted and we're moving into implementation, the lawyers are drawing paper and everything. Uh, and I say to the client, well, that, that winds it up. I've done what you engaged me to do. My favorite ending, and it happens pretty regularly, is they say, what else can you help me with? Mm. And the proper coaching response to that is, what do you think I could help you with? Right. Because you don't have the answers to everything, including that question. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's so good that we're very consistent here because I tell people all the time in you know workshops that I teach or different, different talks that I give that uh, while I personally, you personally have a lot of technical expertise, I don't think business owners care very much about that. And so I'll tell them, you know, really the value that you bring to your clients is through the questions that you ask. And because I'm a fundamentally lazy person, I just ask a lot of questions. And I figure by asking lots of questions, the solutions pretty much rise to the surface and show sure. themselves a lot of things through the answers that you get, you know, options that might be percolating in your brain are just going to fall away because you just got an answer that makes that no longer a good idea. And so whatever's left at the end is probably the right thing to do. Do you agree with that? I agree. Open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I, I very seldom ask anything that could be answered with a yes or no. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, we're looking to, uh, I'm sorry, uh, silence. That's what I was going to say next. Silence is a big thing. So they will... You know, so they'll, they'll give you an answer and it'll be a sentence long and you'll sit there and I take a lot of notes and that lets them know that what I'm what I'm hearing is important to me, you know, and I'll, I'll write down some notes and then I'll just look up at them. And they'll expound a little bit on what they said and, you know, I'll write a little bit more down and then they go. Well, that's not always true. I also, you know, and so silence is such a great tool when you're interviewing and, and all our forms uh, I have trouble because, you know, we have some a number of CPAs that use some of our forms and uh, they call me up and say, well, you know, I, I filled in this whole form. You know, I, I put words in every blank mm -hmm. and I still don't know what to do with the client. And I tell them they're not filling the blank forms. They're interview forms. Mm. They're conversational forms. Right. They're made to start a discussion and let you get in deeper because that's how you become a trusted advisor, mm -hmm. you know, especially if it's a new client. You know, if you spend 90 days, if you spend four or five meetings with a client and they're not complimentary, they're, you know, this is this sure. is fee based. Um, you know, you're so much further into what they really want, what they really think, what their real objectives are, what they what they find challenging, what they find easy, uh, you naturally become their most trusted advisor because mm -hmm. none of their technical advisors are spending that much time learning about the client. Right. Right. I think I think those are all good points. And who would have known that one of our top coaching advice points for today would be shut up be quiet <laughs> but i think that's a really good point i've and it's exactly the same as i've said to people that the the, the greatest benefit the things you're going to learn the most about are not in the answers to the questions it's in the the heavy sigh the roll of the eyes the side comments and the things in between the questions so 
I think, you know, you and I in different ways and in different paths and with different words have come to all the same conclusions, except that you're a, you're a much more polished coach than I am. But I think my observations completely prove out the techniques that you're using and the validity of them and the value that they bring. And I don't know that I would say that I've called you when I need some coaching and you're pretty good at it too. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll continue to help each other. Okay. And that's kind of why we plan here you know, in the BEI advisor community and with all the advisors and business clients that you work with. I just very much appreciate you coming today and, and sharing one of the things that I appreciate about you is that uh, you are always willing to give at least as much as you're going to get. And sometimes you give more. And we just at BEI, we just really appreciate that, John. So no, thanks, thanks for being here. Thank you. BEI has been a great experience for me. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.